Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than Nigel Mansell's moustache. My name's Ash Rose, your host and your guide. You know the rest on this, the original 1990s football podcast and dropping another still alive and kicking. Yeah, we're reaching towards the end of this little series now that um, I was going to drop just over the summer, but I spread them out a bit more. Um, it means a bit more time but we're in between each one. There's still a couple more to come. I'm still chasing a few people. So we're still going. It's still celebrating 30 years of the Premier League by looking back at the class of 1992-93 and we've reached Crystal Palace for this episode and which if you remember rightly and you've got your bingo cards there checking off correctly Crystal Palace's representative in the advert was John Solarco and and John was one of the first persons I spoke to actually and um, really really kind with his time Uh, we talk about obviously about that advert we talk about the the heyday of Crystal Palace in the early 90s that great 1991 FA Cup run one of my first footballing memories as well, which I believe I've spoken about on the podcast as well, because I had family from that area at the time. So, yeah, we go into that. There's a couple of actually nuggets about John Salako's career that I didn't know that he talks about as well. So that was uh, really interesting and the England stuff as well. We even talk about a famous sticker. Now, if you know, but it's basically, if you know, you know already what I'm talking about, but that's right at the end. So if you know what I'm talking about or you don't and you're keen to, to find out, listen out to John talking about famous sticker from the 1994 Merling sticker album, the first Premier League one, actually. If you know, you know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, so with no further ado, let's get into it. I was just want to say I was dropping this specifically as well because I, there was meant to be a full episode with myself and Ed this week. Uh, unfortunately, due to circumstances out of my personal control, um, we couldn't get it done this week, but we will be back next week. And also, I had an email today. And we have a guest lined up. And if you've been listening over the last few months, there is a certain somebody we've been trying to get hold of. Uh, Ed talks a lot about him on the Tavern and Football. Um, I think we're a goer. No promises, but I think we're a goer. But I'll leave that there. Let's get into this with John Solaco. This is near the end now. We're getting towards the end of this still alive and kicking Crystal Palace representative, John Solaco. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Um, I wanted to start really asking, let's start where we are at 90, in the summer of kind of 1992. What was John Salako then as a player? So by this point, you reached an FA Cup final with Crystal Palace, of course, in 1990. You achieved England recognition. Where, where, is, where was John Salako in the summer of 92 and in terms of your career? What do you, what do you remember? Yeah, so this was um, really, you know, the pinnacle as it turned out, you know, looking back in hindsight. So we'd come through obviously the, the semi-finals in 1990, the cup final, um, the replay. And then the year after we finished third in the Premier League as it was then. Um, and we won the Zenith Data Systems Cup, beat Everton 4-1, scored there. And it was just, you know, the world was just taking off for me. That was, you know, I, I, was, I was right up there. Um, I think I scored two goals in the last game against Man United at Sellers Park um, in 92. 
Um, and then we went on the Australasian tour. Yes. Um, that's when I got into England. Um, and uh, yeah, I can remember, you know, uh, it was a scout called Johnny Mack rang me and said, you know, so I'm, I've been out in Italy and I've been trying to, you know, do deals for Del Gordon and someone else. And uh, they'd mentioned they needed a left-sided player and we'd mentioned you and they'd seen you and they thought, oh yeah. And they, and I was going to, I was literally going to sign for Bari. Um, and we played Leeds at Celest. I think it was, it was late October um, or early October, I should say. And uh, yeah, I ruptured my left knee, you know, my left knee exploded. So um, it all came to a grinding halt really. So but obviously going back to, to the Premier League starting, that must have been two or three months before, yeah. back in the, in the August. And uh, so at the time, arguably, I don't really know how it came about, but obviously they must have made some inquiries about they wanted someone from, from Palace to represent them. Um, I honestly wasn't involved in any of that. All I was, someone just said, you know, we'd like you to, to do this advert. And, you know, I went along and did it. So... Um, I assume at the time, you know, Wrighty would have been, um, Wrighty would have been the obvious choice, um, or arguably, I suppose myself, but I don't know whether they, they, they made a specific request as the young up and coming style it as it would have been there was getting, you know, he's got some, some great headlines, obviously bouncing back off, off the England duty. They probably were thinking that John's the current England international and that's who we want in the video. So yeah, that, 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 that was, you know, that, that video um, is in so many ways, so iconic and, and, and so memorable for me because, you know, I can remember going along and it, it was just exciting. It was a really, really um, fantastic, you know, exciting time in my, in my life, in my career that, you know, I thought it was just beginning to take off, but obviously <laughs> life had other ideas. We'll talk about the, the other in, in just a second. Just going back, I mean, that Palace team, I always remember growing up because one of my first memories is that cup final because my fa- a lot of my family lived over in Croydon that way and the, the town was just full of flags and stuff. How exciting was that Palace team? Because like you said, you had Bright, you had Bright, you, know, the, you had yourself as well. It was a real attacking Steve Coppel, great manager. How exciting was that Palace team's playing? It was it was the best side I played in. It was it was such a wonderful side in a sense where I think it was a lot of you know sort of players coming in trying to find themselves, trying to find their place, trying to to make a career, trying to showcase their ability. And and we a lot of us were just you know obviously very similar stories you know coming through. You know we all were fighting um, to make and carve out careers. And it was a very strong dressing room, a lot of strong um, characters. And, uh, you know, it, it was so brilliant. And, and I think it was probably one of the most uh, enjoyable together um, dressing rooms that I ever got to play in because I think it was just at a time where, you know, Wrighty, Brighty, Andy Gray were, you know, were very similar. They got on very well and even... You know, there, there was a common, even your Jeff Thomases and your John Pembertons, um, Andy Thorne, you know, uh, Nigel Martin. You know, there was a lot of really nice, gentle characters and there was a lot of fierce, tough characters. But we all sort of gelled and got along together. There was 
there was not really um, any, you know, I, I can't remember any divisions or, you know, there being any, any kind of um, sort of bad feeling or bad blood in, you know, or anyone sort of, you know, Wrighty was our, you know, our jewel in the crown. He was, he was our top man, but he just mucked in. He was, he was funny. Uh, and he was so hardworking. Everyone just wanted to work hard. Everyone was so desperate uh, to be successful. And I think Steve just, and Steve, you know, in a lot of ways, okay, a lot of those characters sort of fell in his lap, but I think he embraced those and the way he worked with those characters was very, yeah, was was key, uh, was very fundamental. I think he he knew a certain way he wanted to play that four four two. He put, you know, put round pegs in round holes and square pegs in square holes. He, you know, we had a great work work ethic. We were very fit. I mean, everyone doesn't, you know, we were all supremely fit. I mean, Jeff Thomas could cover ground. Even you know, people like Alan Pardew were very fit. Andy Gray was naturally fit. Right, myself, Shawzy, Eddie McGoldrick. Um, we were up and down, you know, if you were playing wide. So, you know, you doubled up and we had partnerships everywhere. We were very solid base, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of hard work on the training ground with, with pattern of play. Um, and then we, obviously we, we would then, you know, rely on righty and righty to, to, to get us the, the central goals. But, you know, sort of looking back at that time, that's what we did. You know, nowadays, if I was playing now, I'd be a hell of a lot more selfish, you know, you know, I'd, I'd want to, you know, I was sort of, you know, talked into being more, more creative and, and more, you know, in, in being a, a, a creator of goals for right and bright rather than being too interested in scoring goals myself. But as you, as we all know, goals make prizes and, uh, you know, but, you know, you, you can't ever change things. But I was looking forward to having more of a free role and, and, um, but you get your own success. I think the success comes if you just if you work hard and you play your role in the team, and and that's what a lot of people don't understand. And I think now players are quite selfish and spoiled, um, and they're not they don't really want to do that donkey work, that leg work, you know, that teamwork that really is essential to to a side winning. And and there's very few that have got that that formula, um, and they're the sides that are most successful. Without a shadow of a doubt, Man City, Liverpool. Are the hardest working sides. They're the sides that have got the discipline. They, they're the ones that have got, but they've also got the creativity and the and, and the ability to be able to to work hard and then do the other side of the game when required. I, I always I wanted to ask you actually because I always remember a goal you scored. I think it was in an FA Cup replay, maybe even a second replay back in the days when we used to have more than one replay against Nottingham Forest. It all yeah. went out in my head and it was from quite far out. Do you remember the goal yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's my, you know, obviously that's the one iconic, that's my favourite goal because it was, uh, I mean, Nottingham Forest had a, a, an incredible side. They yeah. they really, you know, with Clough and and Stuart Pearce, Des Walker, Chettle, um, I can't remember if, uh, you know, they, they, they just had fantastic players everywhere. Um, and, and to be honest, I think, yeah, it was towards the end of the game and, and, uh, Crosley came out and sort of miskicked the ball. I think Brighton went to shut him down and he miskicked it to me just inside the halfway line. And it's it's a big old pitch, um, the city ground. And uh, I cut inside Roy Keane and I lobbed Crossley for about 45 yards. And yeah, that that's uh that's pretty that's well, that is the most special goal I've ever scored. But it's very memorable because you know, I was very lucky in in a sense in the FA Cup. We had some great runs, got to you know, semi-finals twice, the final once. That went to a replay and, you know, unfortunately didn't win it. 
Um, later on, as a, as a first-team coach, we got back into the final against uh, Man United, uh, which I was convinced we were going to win, um, but we didn't, uh, unfortunately. Um, but I really thought we were going to win. That. I thought it was our time to win it and get that. That would have been very satisfying, but uh, I think it was, uh, was it uh, Matter and um, Lingard had different ideas. <laughs> yeah, but I think overall, and, it, and, it, and it's funny how it, it, it that that actually going back to FA Cup, obviously, you know, we I got to two semi finals and one final as a, as a player, and then coming back as first team coach and getting to the final again, it just you know, there was a, this love affair, this 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 special thing with the FA Cup. Yeah, I think it's lacking, isn't it, as well, the more we go, which is a real shame because I'm a big fan. Um, the FA Cup. Uh, talking talking about England quickly as well. You you got five caps in that kind of was it summer almost tournament. What was it like yeah. putting on that shirt? I mean, at the time the, the England team was somewhat in transition because it was the Grahams from Bobby Robson to Graham Taylor. But what was it like playing um, for your country? Oh, it's just you know that that is the pinnacle. That is the dream. That is you know the crowning moment. I think it's just as a kid. I I because I was um, I was born in Nigeria. My mum's. Yeah. English and why my dad met my dad's Nigerian and he met my mum in England doing his masters and they you know took her back to Nigeria and unfortunately uh, died when I was sort of nine sorry when I was five when I was five and then you know a few years later my mum brought us all back to England and because if you're born out of the country like if you're in the services or you're working abroad it kind of makes you, you become eligible to play for the yeah. home country so Wales Scotland Ireland Northern Ireland and my mum's grandparents were, uh, she had um, French Canadian <laughs> in her. So I kind of qualified for a, lot of teams. <laughs> so many, for a lot of teams. So the first team was Terry Yorath at Wales called me up and um, I had a very nice with Terry, chat with Terry. And I sort of said, look, you know, it's very flattering and, you know, very honoured that you're calling me up. But I really, you know, I want to play for England. And um, so at the moment, unfortunately, it's a no. And, um, and then Nigeria sent a delegation and I said the same thing that, um, you know, um, really my heart was with England. And I went into Steve Coppel and I said to Steve, you know, sort of said, Gaffer, you know, I've had a couple of call ups and, you know, what do you think? He says, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to play for England. And he said, well, you're more than good enough. So just wait, it'll happen. And, uh, you know, six, eight months later, I got the call up and it was, it was a weird one in a sense where I think, I think I just we just finished the season, scored the two at Celeste. Um It was a funny game because I needed two goals to get my goal bonus um, to reach ten and get my my um, goal bonus for for league goals. And um, I was just out there and I was playing for myself and I was shooting from everywhere and writing. <laughs> right, and we're going absolutely crazy because for them they were the we scored the goals. You know, it was the yeah. first time really that I sort of thought actually. This is more about me. I'm I'm going to be a bit more selfish and a bit more, you know, green. And I was cutting inside and I was, you know, whereas for them, they were just like, you get the ball and you cross it and we'll score goals. Whereas I was thinking, no, nah, I'm cutting inside and I'm having a, and it's got a couple of good goals. And um, so anyway, I, I say about, you know, a couple of weeks later, I'm just mowing the lawn. It might have been less than that. And uh, the girlfriend, you know, sort of says, oh, Graham Taylor's on the phone. I'm like, shut up. That's, that's Shorzy and... <laughs> Dean Gordon and, yeah. and those boys messing around. And I'm like, hello, Shawzy, what's what's that? And he's like, I no, this is Mr. Taylor, Angler manager. I just wanted to inform you that you've been selected for the, for the squad to go on the Australasian tour. And I wanted to 
to let you know before it was announced. And I was just like, oh, wow. I was like, thanks, Mr. Taylor. And that was about it. You know, so it's just so special. So, but, you know, the England thing was very natural to me. I think when I went, I just, you know, when you look back and, and the, the thing was actually that I think John Barnes and Chrissy Waddle didn't go um, on that tour. And yeah. I, they, I think they, the, the top, some of the top clubs didn't, didn't um, go because they, they wanted to rest their players. So it gave some of us an opportunity. And, and to be fair, it, it's really weird. Andy Sinton, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Walters and myself were, 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 were arguably the, the three in the wings of your Hoddle and Barnes. Yeah, yeah. So you'd have to say it was an incredibly talented era yeah, as a left-sided player, you know, let alone on the right. The, that left side, you know, or as a wide player, yeah. there was some serious competition. There was, uh, there was Rodney Wallace, you know, there was, you know, there was so many players. I think obviously it was lucky that, you know, Giggsy was a little bit younger, but he was Welsh. Um, th but there was a lot of players everywhere you looked. Yeah. There was some Rodney that came through the next year as well. Oh, sorry, Sinton as well. Who mentioned he was another one. Yeah, yeah, um, and all of them were, were massively talented. I can remember turning up for England duty, and I just thought, Do you know what, um, I'm good enough. That's why I'm here. I'm going to believe in myself, and I'm going to go out and just give it my best, give it, give it everything. And you know, it it, it just meant so much. I think I'd always dreamed it. I'd always seen it and that's what we work for you know when whenever with righty and you know with, with people like nigel martin and shawzy and you know righty was incredible in a sense where he was just so driven and so motivated and such a bubbly character and you know he would and he was a big catalyst with with some of that although you know from a young age you know i got you know the, the, the groundsman to build me like a wall out of sleepers so i could go out there every morning left foot, right foot. You know, I can remember very early on, you know, after signing an apprentice and Stevie Cop was said to me, can you do a hundred keepy up his left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. And I was like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and I tried it and I got to about obviously 10, 20 and um, you know, because I was very left footed. Yeah. And he suddenly put that, sowed that seed in my head and what he was doing, he was saying, you need to start using your right foot. Yeah. And what he taught me was to work on my, let's go out against this sleep, this wall and just, you know, hit the ball against this yeah. wall, right foot, left foot, drive it. And I got really comfortable with my right foot. And he was like, you know, because when you're taking on a defender, you don't always have to go down the line and get your cross in. You can cut back and put you put in with your right foot. And it was actually a, 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 a fantastic tool that he gave me because, you know, he was right. The, the, the defenders were getting quicker. They were getting stronger. And, and, you know, when you're playing against better sides, they double up. Sometimes you haven't, you, you're not going to get down the line and beat them. But if you can check back and deliver in, that's a wonderful cross. And and the, and the strikers can change their positions and read the run. And if they can get across their men. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, it was one of those where I remember sort of writing and Bryce sort of saying, look, if you check back, you have to put it in. If don't keep checking back. Do you remember Peter Beagree? Yeah, of course. Yeah. He was the check back king. So yeah. no one knew what he was doing. The, the strikers didn't know when he was going to deliver yeah. the ball. And if you watch people now, there's an obvious point where you say, Cross it, yeah. cross it. You can make runs and you can, you know, once you sort of stop, come back, check, check. And it's like, well, you know, we don't know what you're doing now. So it was just clear, decisive little points that, and I call that football 
talk, you know, you sort of yeah, talk yeah. about that football intelligence and when you communicate and you talk. And and when I watch a lot of football, it's very easy, you know, and that's where you talk about good coaches and, and not very good coaches, is, is the ones that are able to, to convey their message and get those good habits into you. And, and that's the intelligent players. They don't have to be the best, most talented players, but, you know, you call reliable players who understand your positioning, your marking. And then obviously when you're in certain positions in the pitch, you make the right decisions and, and you make the right calls so that other people understand what you're doing so that they can do what they do around it. So I mean, we were very much up, up back and through. It was two touches in midfield or one if, you know, so you knew the ball was going back to Andy Gray or Jeff Thomas. You can make your run because you knew it was going forward. And Andy knew that and Jeff knew that and Wrighty and I, we could make our run. So, you know, just little things. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the advert then. I mean, as you said, you you kind of you turn up on the day. I mean, what were you told it was going to be? What what, what was the kind of the, the brief you were given on the day about it? Because you know the, we see the scenes in the advert, which we'll get to in a second. But like you're on the coach and stuff. But was that all sort of manufactured? What was it like on the day? Well, it was crazy because again, it was the beginning of the Premier League. It was something new. It was exciting. It was bold. It was brash. It was in your face. It was the American style. Yeah. You know. We, we, you know, we follow American everything. And we've, you know, when I was injured, I, you know, uh, I saw American, but we've seen the Super Bowl. We've seen what America's about. And we've seen the fanfare, the cheerleaders. And it was all, you know, that's what, and it was, it was, an, it was such an exciting time. As I said, you know, we'd been to Wembley, we'd won the Zenith, we'd finished third, you know, it was, it was, a, it, it was a big new bold world. And you were just facing and taking on every challenge that came it, And, you know, that was another brilliant, thing and when I got the call out and you went and you turned up and it's Gordon Strachan and David uh, and, and Gary Speed and you know Vinnie Jones and you look everywhere you looked was 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 iconic you know fantastic Premier League players and you know again it just felt very natural very comfortable to to go in there to muck in you know obviously there's there's you know Vinnie was was the big character was the yeah. big you know was the big voice you know as he is in addressing that's just who he is you know you got you know, people like, you know, Gordon Strachan and, you know, I think Gordon Drury was there. I'm trying to remember a lot of these guys. And um, it was just, you know, it was it was fantastic to be to be part of that. And it was and what people forget is when you're when you're filming, it takes a long time. Yeah. You know, it's setting up the shot, it's setting up the scene, getting it right. You know, even we didn't have a lot to say. I don't think there was a lot of speaking parts. It yeah. was a lot of, you know, you're on the coach, you're getting on the coach, sitting on the coach, having a bit. And, you know, it was a long day and it was tiring in in that, you know, you had to keep setting it up. You have to, there was long bits that you weren't involved in where they were doing other bits and you'd go and have a sandwich or go and have a cup of tea and go and sit somewhere and go and do something else for a while. But it was all exciting and you thought, thought we were a part of something new, something fresh, something, something that was going to be incredible. Um, so without any doubt, you know, you sort of had that real buzz and excitement, um, not only for the new season, it was going to be the new Premier League and, and you were part of that. And you, John, and it's funny, I'm talking to you first, you had a shower scene in the, in the, in the finished video. How did that go down with the Salako clan that seeing, well, seeing you in the shower on telly? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, obviously, it, 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 you know, there's a few few laughs and jokes about that. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it was very much, you know, but it's a stupid thing, but we're all very comfortable, very, you know, used to being in showers together. So, you know, since, you know, 
I don't, you know, it's, it's changed now, obviously. It's very different uh, probably now. I think they're sort of encouraging more single cubicles. And I think, you know, the lads, even where they're, you know, their pants yeah, or shorts go yeah. and shower now, especially the younger younger kids. But from when we were, you know, obviously I came in as a 16-year-old, you know, or, you know, I played football since I was, you know, 11, 10, 11 or whatever. You know, just showering every day after training is not so, you know, having to, to jump in the shower and do a shower scene was just not, it wasn't really anything that you go, oh my God, that's like a little bit, you know, it was just, and again, I think for all the lads, you know, we were all in a, place where we were young we were ambitious we were driven you know and it, it just would have just get on with it just just get it you know it wouldn't even it's not something that we would even thought about and and obviously for some of the fitter lads who, who wanted to couldn't wait to get their pecs out or get their <laughs> get their six back out so yeah. you know it's uh it's just boys were with boys but it's um no it was all good were you trying to second guess like because there's quite a different quite a mix of players chosen from clubs and you know there are some that went on like you know you've any Jones you have Peter Beardsley who was already established but then you had mm. guys like sort of um, Ian Culverhouse and David Brightwell yeah. not quite on did, did you did you notice the kind of the mix of players that were there did that was that thing for you or was it it's just oh they're from that club they're from that club Look, it's, do you know what? It's a very good question and it's interesting because whenever you go to England it's the same thing look you you you're competitive on Saturday, you go to England, you play together. You know, whenever you get together, um, it was obviously, you know, you're, you're talking about sort of 20, 22 lads getting together, um, you know, and, and you just mark in, you've got some quiet lads, you've got some bigger characters. Uh, most of the lads are just nice and normal. I mean, that's what I will say, you know, you know, 95, 98% of the lads are just nice, good, normal lads, yeah. you know, good laugh. And then, you know, you're going to get two or three that are loud, brash, in your face, you know, they're, you know, try, you know, the, the comedians, um, the, you know, the tricksters, and you're always up to something. And, um, you know, it was, it was just like being in a dressing room again. And, and I think it, it, it's really weird when you move clubs, you know, you're gone, you know, you get that phone call, you're signing for whoever, and you don't get a chance to say goodbye. You pick up your boots, you're on your way, and you walk into that dressing room next morning. You, you you look 35 lads in the eye, and you get on with it. You know, oh, this is John. He's just signed for us. Lovely. Hi, guys. You get to meet everyone. You like some. You don't like some. Some are not going to like you. You know, it, it it probably wasn't any different to that, but it was a nice environment because we're making a, a we're making an advert. You know, but they they're lads you play against. You know. I might be up against Brightwell on the Saturday, or I might have just played against, you know, Vinny might have been trying to terrorise us on the, yeah. <laughs> on the Tuesday, you know? So it's just really whatever kind of experiences you've had with, with people. I mean, obviously you are going to have people that you have that, you know, not a good relationship with, um, you, you don't particularly like, but you have to turn up and just, just get on. It's a, it's a job of work at the end of the day. I think that's what I'd say. And I think you get very much into that, that mode of, you go and you know you don't really have to be liked or or particularly like anyone you're just doing a job of work i think one of the key questions i'm trying to uh, get from these guys as well from, from yourself when did you kind of notice you, you mentioned how big and brash this was but when was the change for you like because you know i always call the 90s like the decade that changed football because if you look at 1990 and then 1999 it's like almost a different beast in terms of yeah style. oh my god when did you notice that change of like the Premier League, Sky? What was it for you? Was there sort of key points to, to know that, okay, we're evolving here? 
Yeah, no, that was Sky. They brought the cheerleaders. They brought the fireworks. You know, there was the loud jackets. The, you know, there was the there was the, you know, that was there was two or three guests in the studio. You know, it was beer. You started getting, you know, even cup competitions. You would get better, you know, bikes and watches and you know, yeah. Premier League. You would get, you know, a man of the match. You would do the interview and, you know. It was just right in your face, wasn't it? What Sky did, we just revolutionised the Premier League and it was the whole thing, the biggest trophy, you know, it just everything just stepped up a yeah. massive notch. It ramped up and you felt, and obviously, look, I can remember, I can remember talking and I can remember Johnny Barnes was got a 10 grand a week contract. And we're like, oh, 10 grand a week, oh my God. <laughs> and then I think it was sold, was it, who, who was it? Someone, someone got 25 grand a week. Because um, you know it, it was crazy, and that, and, and but then the Premier League, and all of a sudden, people are just sitting back, going, "You got Sol Campbell moving from, I think, from Spurs to Arsenal, the first hundred grand a week player, and and the money just went like ramped up, and it was like, whoa, and I, you know, everyone was paying attention, and everything just became a different world and a different level, um, you know, the agents and you know, chairman and. You know, just, you know, all of a sudden you, you couldn't just be a millionaire. You had to be a billionaire chairman. And the chairman, you know, when I when I grew up in the 90s, early night, you didn't know chairman. Yeah. You might know Ken Bates. Yeah. You might know more, the, the Paul's guy at Liverpool, you know, but you didn't really know him. You didn't, yeah. you know, you didn't really know who any of the chairmen were. But all of a sudden you you started knowing chairman and they wanted to be known because all of a sudden everyone wanted a piece of it. Everyone yeah. wanted to like, well, hang on a minute. I'm, I'm done standing behind the camera. I, you know, I want my day that you all of a sudden, you know, Muhammad Al-Fayed, you know, um, Ron knows, you know, um, you know, whoever, you know, the, the, the chairman are, which, so there was just so many differences to, to the game just evolved and changed so, so quickly. Just a few more questions really on um, sort of after the advert then. So that season, Crystal Palace didn't quite work out for, for the team. What was it that that season? I mean, you went down a goal difference, didn't you? So it was very minimal. What is it you didn't quite have to, to stay up that season? I mean, you were in. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I can remember. I think I still remember the day. You know, sort of heard the news. It's like almost like the day you know Elvis died or JFK got shot. You know, just, I think I might have heard it on the radio. Actually, Ian Wright's moved to sign for Arsenal. He just like, you're kidding, you're joking. And it just, it was it, it just a horrible, horrible moment. I mean, I was absolutely de delighted for Ian. Um, and I knew he was going to always go on to bigger and better things because he was just an absolute legend. But, um, you know, he just absolutely gutted. And we, and we struggled to to cope without him. You know, don't, you know the year we finished uh, third, uh, Leeds finished fourth. And um, I can remember Wrighty sort of, we were having a chat and said, oh, we need to buy some players. We need just... We just need two or three to bolster this team, and this team could could do really well. I can remember sort of, you know, those conversations we'd had, and I think Wrighty went into to Ron Nodes and Stevie Cotman said, "Are we going to, you know, we need to buy two or three, you know, top class players?" And they went, "Well, do you know what? The money's not really there. We don't think we need anyone." Yeah. Um, and 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 he ended up going to to Arsenal, and that year, that same year, Leeds bought Cantona, Dorigo, and Wallace, and won it the yeah. following year. And it always, you know, it's just that sliding doors moment yeah. and you think, well, could we have brought those three in and won it the year after? And, um, you know, Wrighty went off and they say we 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 went down on, on you know, on goal difference. And 
I think that, you know, yeah, we went down a couple of times and it's just, yeah, it's the worst feeling ever getting relegated and, and being part of that. So I think we, we, you know, we ended up going down on 47 or 48 points when they reduced the Premier League. Yeah. Um, which was just, I mean, that was devastating. But, you know, I think that year, I think we, we beat Oldham, I think it was, at, was it Oldham at home? And we were nine points clear. Um, obviously, we were clear of Oldham and they had to win three games to send us down on, on goal difference. I think that was the year that was hard. And we, we thought we were safe because we had the nine points and they won all three games uh, and, and sent us down on goal difference, which was just, uh, yeah, it was devastating. So, and then, you you know, you bounce back and, you know, the championship's always been a, a really good place to be, but obviously, you know, the magic circle, the, the Holy Grail is, is playing in the, in the Premier League. He scored a hat trick in. I remember that against Stoke. Was it? Was that one? Was that your only career hat trick? I think was that. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, you know, in in the first team. So, I think that was my first start after the oh, really? I came back from the knee injury. So that was my first full start, and I played up front. And it's funny because I always used to play as a striker as a kid, and um, something I blame on Stevie Cobble. So, but. <laughs> It's just the way things pan out. So, you know, I was scoring a lot of goals in the, in, in the southeast counties at youth level. And I can remember Stevie Coppola saying to me, look, you know, I've got right and bright, you know, but there's an opportunity to play on the left. And I was like, well, I'll play anywhere to get a game. And I never really, you know, there was a couple of times I, you know, I remember playing at, at Highbury, played up front with Chris Armstrong and grabbed a couple um, I enjoy playing up front and I think I could have scored goals and I think, you know, it would have suited me to be a striker. Uh, but, um, you know, I, Steve turned me into a wide player just, just because of who was in front of me. You know, you look at... Um, yeah, so <laughs> I would have loved to have played up front a little bit more, but it wasn't meant to be. You and obviously then played for Coventry as well. What, what enticed you to Coventry and was there a chance to move to different teams or was... How did yeah. that come about? It was just, I, I knew, it was you know, I said to to Alan and it was time for me to move on from Palace. I, I just felt I needed a new challenge. And, you know, the, we'd, I'd been through the, you know, the right and bright team and I'd been through the Gareth Southgate, you know, um, team, you know, where we'd done quite well. And um, so I was going to go and sign for Newcastle. Uh, I was going to sign for Kevin Keegan. And, uh, you know, there was, there was a lot of wranglings going on at top level between... Sir John Hall and Douglas Hall and Kevin. And it was the beginning of the end for Kevin. And, and I know he wanted to sign Ginola at the time. And, and it's funny talking about wages. I think Ginola had asked for 25 grand a week and they'd gone, we're not, we, we can't pay you that. We can't, we can't give you that. We can't go there. And so Kevin called me and I went up there and, um, and there was this wrangling going on. And in the end, I think they obviously ended up signing um, Ginola, give him whatever he wants. Um, but I can remember saying to Kevin, can you, why don't I sign both of us, you know? <laughs> and uh, it was a shame, really, because they, you know, it was Ginola, Royal Fox, you know, but that was um, Les Ferdinand, Albert, you know, that was a, a fabulous team that nearly yeah, won the league. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it would have been part of that. But I ended up going back and I got a call from Ron Atkinson, went up there and I thought, do you know what? Great guy, very charismatic, Ron. And um, I looked at, you know, they had lots of great, you know, nice players. Obviously, you know, I've always enjoyed playing at Haifa Road and, you know, it was just I needed to get away from 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 Palace at that stage. And I thought, actually, and do you know what? Yeah, um, it, it was a it was a it was a good move. And Haifa Road, you know, people like Peter and Love and Noel Whelan, Darren Huckabee, Dion Dublin and 
then McAllister signed and you know we had some wonderful players I mean yeah. the Burroughs Steve um Brian and, and David Burroughs Grizovich in goal and and uh you know it was a Roland Nilsson it was some fantastic and then when, you roll, when you roll them off like that you, you forget you know, how the squad they had yeah you know it really was a, a really nice dressing room as well they were all really nice guys all yeah. you know and we we struggled every year but we stayed up we stayed up every year um and we still we signed people like George Watting, who went to play for Villa and Middlesbrough, Bote, <laughs> Georgie Watting. I mean, McAllister left there and went to win five trophies with yeah. Liverpool. You know, probably one of the best players I played with. Um, and um, wow, yeah. Um, you know, Huckabee was sensational, wheeling yeah. great player, you know, and um, you know, it, it was wonderful. And uh, obviously Richard Shaw came along not long after that again. I mean, I God knows how many rooms I must have shared with Richard Shaw. We spent a good, you know, good ten years together, twelve years at Palace, and then another, another two, three at uh, Reading. Uh, sorry, at Coventry. So, yeah, good times, good times. I had my, I had two of my children while I was there in, in Coventry. So, yeah, great times. And Gordon Strachan, of course, taking it all the way back to the alive and kicking advert. He he was there as well, still plugging away at his age as well. Was he still had the magic in his boots? Do you know what? I mean, Gordon had just called it a day, but, you know, at 42 or 43 or whatever, I mean, the fittest person I've ever met, the fittest footballer, just, a, you know, just an absolute machine, you know, just, uh, you know, loved it, loved training, loved playing, just just so fit and, and, and a complete legend of a player. So, yeah, Ron Ron managed the first year and then Gordon took over. Yeah. Um, Gordon was always ambitious and Gordon always wanted to manage. Um, so he was cutting his teeth um, and went on to do really well because they had some some really good players come, you know, sort of Robbie Keane and yeah. Hardy and, you know, some some really good players came and they had a really, and it was a shame really because once Gordon sort of fell out there and, and left, it just all real <laughs> went to to pop um, yeah. and then moved to the Rico, which was quite sad for Coventry. Yeah, no, it's been a sad. I was actually at that game because they played QPR the first when they opened the Rico, because I remember that being, I think they, they won three 0 that day. And it's to see their demise has been, because I remember Coventry like from your, from your era and those players. And um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big tough, fan of Tough, tough place to go. Yeah, I bet. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was an easy place to come to, and get result. Totally. And winding down then, you obviously spent spells at Bolton and Reading and Charlton before ending your football career. When you've dabbled in coaching, obviously you've been on TV and you've also got this finance business as well. I mean, what have you enjoyed the most? What, what has what's post football given you the, the most out of? Do you know when I got injured, I, I got to do a lot of stuff with Sky and Sky yeah. were wonderful. And um, you know, I went in and just filled in and ended up doing quite a lot. And you know, Davey White, the head of Sky Sports, sort of said to me, "Look, if the football doesn't work out, you've got a job here," which which was fantastic at the time because obviously there was a point there when I was wondering if I would come back and play again. And uh, so I always kept my hand in. I always enjoyed the television. It seemed to seemed to like me and. You know, when I when I was ready to 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 call it a day, I spoke to Andy Melvin and said I wanted to come on board, and he said, "Yeah, great, here's a contract," and off I went. And I absolutely loved doing the Sky stuff. You know, I was doing my coaching badges. You know, I did did my original coaching badge at 24 with Dario Grady up at Lily Shaw, um, and then I converted that to a UA. That became UA for B. Converted that to a UA for A. Um, so I was always thinking about it. You know, I did a lot of coaching with Brendan Rogers when I was at Reading, Brian McDermott. Um, so you know, but when I, funny enough, I got into Sky and I did apply for a, for a number of jobs, but I never got one interview, not one. So, um, you know, 
it's it's a funny thing. I love working for Sky, and you know, I kept in there, but I did always sort of harbour the ambition of being a, a manager. Um, and funny enough, just when I thought, you know, it, it, the, the chance had gone, Pards gave me an opportunity. Uh, Alan Pards gave me a chance to come in as as a first team coach at Palace, and um, you know, that year we were flying first half of the season, then second half of the season we couldn't win a league game, but we're flying in the cup got to the cup final, we beat Watford in the semi-final at Wembley, which is, you know, amazing. Got to the final against Man United. So, you know, although we kept our our, our Premier League position, you know, um, I ended up getting pushed aside, well, I suppose, got the sack really, I suppose, but pushed aside. And, and that was very, you know, disappointing. It was just so magical to be back at Palace and, and be back in the fold and, and working in the game. But it's, it's ruthless and it's cutthroat. And, um, you know, you always look back and think, would I change anything? You think, well, do you know what? That year in the dressing room was was amazing and incredible to work with all those boys again and, and see the insides. But it's just, you know, yeah, it's it's just that that boat that that sailed for me. So, you know, I've got a couple of companies, yeah, you know, sort of business finance, property. Um, I love the property side, the property finance side. And there's so much out there in the world. Um, I still I, I love doing the television, you know, so much has changed with Sky change with television you know we've got lots of girls doing, you know the, but you know obviously the television is something that everyone's queuing up and falling over themselves to yeah. do so and and you know i kind of accepted that in a way that you know it, it, you know if i when I, as and when i get the opportunity to do more television i will and i'll enjoy doing it and i'll be ready but at the moment sort of the sort of enjoying real life of you know enjoying your kids Obviously, the last year has been a nightmare with the pandemic, but, um, you know, but it's it slowed life. It's taken us back to a time when, you know, life was slow. You can enjoy your family, do some cooking, enjoy your garden, just enjoy life. And, you know, I've always, you know, I mean, being a, a professional or anything or being at the top end of whatever you do is, is full on. And it, it demands everything. And being a professional footballer or being a professional sportsman or, you know, being high end does demand a lot. I mean, Gordon, Gordon Strachan always said, it's about sacrifice, you know, it's about the things you have to sacrifice. And, you know, you don't accomplish those kind of things unless you are absolutely ruthless and determined and focused. And often, you know, that that is sort of sacrificing family and, and friends, which, you know, this year has given us that back. I remember talking to Alan Kirbishley and he was just, you know, when you're a manager, it's 24 seven agents, you know, fans, you know, board, you know, players and um, you have to put so much into it and you hardly see your family. So, you know, it's, it's difficult. I always be careful what you wish for, but obviously um, I'm sure if I was offered a job tomorrow, I'd jump at it and go and do it. So let's not kid ourselves. It, yeah. It's, it's all, it, you know, it's all good. And, uh, you know, I often think, and, you know, you, you, you look back and this, this advert, it's just so brilliant because I think, oh, what is Tony Daly up to? What is Andy Sinton and what is Brightwell and and how is, you know, how is so-and-so doing? And you remember so many players you played with. Where is Chris Holmes? What's Chris Armstrong up to? You know, you because football is such a transient game and, and you really just have acquaintances. And, you know, as soon as you move or you leave or they go, you, you, you don't see them. And we don't, there's very few people that, you know, probably Richard Shaw, probably Brighty, Wrighty might play, you know, we play golf and, not many others do I, you know, maybe on Twitter or LinkedIn, you might see some people, um, you know, bump into people in the city. Uh, you're like, you know, dudes, and how are you? Oh, God, what are you up to? You know, and uh, 
I don't know. There must be a little island somewhere where ex-footballers go. <laughs> I've always wanted to do a programme. I've always wanted to do this programme, you know, just do like three or four ex-players, you know, and what are you up to? What are you doing? Yeah. You know, you know, just a, you know, sort of like half an hour, 40 minute programme on, on, you know, three or four footballers, you know. Table. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Um, what are they up to? Yeah. All right. Two final questions before I let you go, John. Um, I've got asked, you mentioned that being at Palace for the cup final more recently. What did Pards say after the dance? Because we all remember the dance that he did when Palace scored. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> he regret it after, after the game didn't pan out as well as he hoped? Do you, know, do you know what? It's actually funny because people bring that up and I think people will always bring that up. Yeah. And he had the, the tactics and, you know, the pattern of play down to the T. I mean, Pards is fantastic at attention yeah. to detail. We knew what we were going to do, how we were going to play, who was marking, who was playing, how we were going to play. And we had plan A, plan B, plan C for how the game was going to go. Yeah. If we went one nil down, if we went one nil up, you know. But, you know, it was it was so... It had just gone all according to plan. We knew they were struggling. We knew Van Gaal was under pressure. We knew the player, you know, they weren't full of confidence. And, um, you know, when Jason Punch and come on and scored the goal, you know, what we should have been doing then is shutting the game down. You know, you know, maybe, you know, Wayne Hennessy should have gone down and, you know, had a, you know, a bit of a calf. For, you know, just kill the game. Just, just do something. Yeah. But me and Keith Millen looked down the line and there's, Pards. Now, I don't know if in his head if he'd rehearse. I think he had a rehearse that. I don't, do you know what? Knowing Pards, he must have done. And he goes and does his jig, and we just sat there going, What is he doing? <laughs> and of course, um, if we'd have gone on to win that game 1 0, 2 0, you know, we'd have legendary. Yeah. Oh, you know, it would have been, it would have been absolutely, you know, an iconic moment when yeah. it been absolutely, um, and parts would be a legend forever. I mean, he scored the the winning goal in the in the semi final against Liverpool, which will always be an absolute legend for. And um, you know, taking us back there and winning it would have been even more special. And um, I'm sure he felt that 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 was what was going to happen. Unfortunately, um, Mata and Lingard turned up and had other ideas, which was heartbreaking. And um, yeah, and that moment would now go on as a as a little bit of a blooper moment. <laughs> And a little bit of, I think you're celebrating a little bit too early. I love those sort of things because to me, it's like emotion that gets to you. So I'm, I'm all for it. Um, it. Do you know what? It's character. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, you've got to dare to. You know, look, you've got to dare to dream. You know, I said that. You've got to see moments. You've got to. You've got to. You've got to bring them into being. If you if you can't produce or see those moments and and have those, you know, those dreams. And and he obviously saw that. He, you know, he pictured it in his head. He saw it happening. We were going to win. He was going to do his little dance and everything was going to be great. But yeah, it's kind of, you know, bless him. It's just backfired a little bit. Yeah. A final question. And this only occurred to me while you were talking previously about Sky. Are, are you aware or do you own the, the sticker that was in the first Premier League sticker, book, which you and Anna Walker, I think it is, and you're wearing like a Sky Sport. It's, one of what, it's become quite collectible because it's such a unique oh. sticker. Really? No, no. I'm looking at it now. I'll have to. I'll, I'll send it. I'll put it on Twitter and show you. But yeah, it just as you was talking, it clicked in my head that the first Premier League album, sticker album had like a Sky Sports themed section to it, like a pullout. And there's a sticker of you and Anna Walker looking very nineties. I'll have to put it on Twitter and show you. Yeah, do you know what? I remember that. I remember the picture and the sticker yeah. you're talking about. And um, yeah, no, that was very iconic because when I was out injured, I was presenting goals on Sunday with with Anna Walker and. Um, 
you know, she was lovely. She was great to work with. And um, yeah, it was just a brilliant, brilliant time. And yeah, you look back at that, shorts were short. Sure, yeah. And shorts were really... Although yeah, you're like you're wearing a drill, a Premier League drill top that I think if that went on eBay now, that would go a pretty penny. It's very nice. Like drill tops aren't a thing anymore, but they're you know right. they're in kit welds because I, I I'm 90s football is kind of my thing. I, we do a podcast on it. I've written a book on it, a previous book on it as well. So, but yeah, very just again sums up the era. L- loud, flashy, fun. Well, that's probably just I've given away. I've given away everything. I mean, I've hardly got anything left to sign and give away. Have you? <laughs> Have you got anything for, for an auction for a charity? You know, it's, yeah. and even Palace, I've got um, even top journalists. Uh, I mean, Neil Ashton's a massive Palace fan. Yeah, yeah. And he's always after shirts. And he's always, he's saying, Sal, have you got that, you know, that shirt from that cup vinyl or that that year? Have you got that particular shirt? I'm like, I'll have a look. I'll have a look. But I, I've given more or less everything. I think yeah, I've got two England shirts left. But um, the shirts no. you bought for that advert, were you giving them on the day or did you have to take them with you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they gave us, yeah. you know, what we had to wear. So if they have done anything at, at the, the Palace training ground, that would have been a Palace kit. Mm-hmm. If it's Admiral or Hummel, it yeah. would have been proper Palace. Or if we did anything with Sky or away, like we, the advert, we would have got everything given to us. So that's, yeah. You just got, you just got um, kit. I mean, we'd all have our own, like at the time I was with Adidas. So a lot of the lads would have their own sponsors. But I think at the time it would just be, you, you all have to wear the, the the sky yeah. kit or, yeah. or whatever we were getting to the sky kit and then you did the photo shoot where the, you had one player which is what i'm chasing from each team that had the kit for that season so maybe right. you at the that particular kit right okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There's a lot of laces going on very the era of the laced kit i remember very yeah much. i remember villa tony daly yeah. had that didn't he and a couple of i think the man city had the yeah the i don't think it's allowed anymore safe and yeah it might be norwich as well i think yeah some of yeah yeah interesting Thank you so much for your time, John. That's longer than I expected you to give us. So thank you um, very very much for for speaking with us. Fantastic. Pleasure. Thanks, John. Thank you. Have a good day.